Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Have a question about navigating finances, budget, and spending? My expert guest today will be actually a couple, a duo. We Jonathan and Amanda Texera taking your questions. They're from WalletWin.com. They have sound financial guidance, but they also are Catholic. And our Catholic faith should influence all areas of our life. So if you have a question today, curious with maybe a Catholic take on something you've navigated recently or have to, our toll-free line is 888-914-9149, and it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. We'll dive into how to set, keep, and evaluate your financial goals for the year. Perhaps that was part of your New Year's resolution, if you still remember that. I mean, come on, it was already almost a month ago that the New Year happened, and the meal planning, the gym efforts, they might have already gone out the window, but your financial goals don't have to. Today's the Feast of the Holy Spouses. Who are they? Well, you can guess it. It's actually the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph. It's an ancient feast day, not as commonly celebrated in the church, but we'll dive in it, into it today and something really neat I learned number of years ago when I was consecrating myself to St. Joseph was that we actually have the wedding ring uh, that St. Joseph gave to the Blessed Virgin Mary in Italy. And so we'll talk a little bit about the ring and the special feast day. If you want to be married, if you're struggling in your marriage, today is a great day to turn to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, and ask their intercession, ask their healing, ask their guidance and finding someone to marry. Also, the Indiana Health Department is holding records that they're refusing to let go of that actually exposes the malpractice of people who commit abortions, who are killing not just babies, but women who come to them for abortions as well. I'll share with you a little bit of what's happening in the state of Indiana on the pro-life front and ways you can get involved if you're in the state of Indiana, but also what we should be aware of what's happening in other states. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Open line if you have any questions on finances. My guests today are the husband and wife duet Jonathan and Amanda Texera from WalletWin.com. Welcome back to Trending. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much, Timory. It's a pleasure to be here. I know many goals come with the new year, or maybe they're new year res- resolutions, maybe they're not, and perhaps some of them are financial. Some people might want to buy a house, move out of their parents' house, stop living paycheck to paycheck, <laughs> pay off debt. Uh, there are many that could be thrown out there. But what I wanted to pitch in your direction, because you guys are experts at helping to coach people through navigating financial challenges and thriving. for, And I think that's where a lot of people want to be. Mm-hmm. How do you set, keep, and evaluate your goals? Where do you even begin when it comes to finances? When you want to make some progress in your financial life, it is important to set a goal, to know what you're going after. Now, what should that goal be? A good place to start is 
what is what are you freaking out about right now? What is keeping you up at night? What are you stressed about? What gets you, uh, you know, running to the ice cream uh, late at night when you just can't <laughs> sleep? Those type of things should be the goals that you address because nobody wants to live that way. Right. So other questions could be, you know, what kind of what money fights keep coming up in your marriage? You know, if you are married um, and look at those places first, you know, when we first got married back in 2011, the first goal that we set as a married couple was actually a financial goal. And it was to create a budget and get out of debt in our first year of marriage. And what I love about financial goals is that they're usually pretty easy to measure. You know, they're not vague. You 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 can set it and, you know, you don't have to tackle a ton of different things. You can tackle one thing right away. Um, and they can be very, very unitive, especially in marriage. Uh, and so that financial goal for us actually led us to getting a budget off the ground and actually paying off $25,000 of debt in just over seven months. Um, and that kind of began our own journey. And there have been many other financial goals since then, but that very first one was a New Year's resolution. It was our, our very first New Year's resolution as a married couple. Um, and so just look at those pain points and those spots in your life that kind of keep coming up. And that's really a good place to start. And oftentimes a financial goal um, is a really good precursor to other goals in your life. You know, a, a lot of times some of the other goals might seem more fun, like I want to travel more or I want to get healthy. But when we get our, when we make a financial goal first, it actually helps us create a little margin in our budget so that we actually have money to meet those other goals. Uh, because so many things end up having a financial price tag attached to them anyway. So they're a really, really great starting goal. And if you're kind of looking for, okay, well, all right, yeah, I want my money to be better. I'm freaked out about my money. That's keeping me up at night. Well, we do have our wallet win method, our financial phases and money milestones that are a good place to start. First off, you want to have a foundation, a firm foundation for your finances. That's like understanding money as a Catholic, living with a budget, having the right insurance in place, having some emergency savings in place, and getting out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle. If any of those sound like a good place that you'd like to be at, well, then maybe that is a good idea for your goal. And that specific goal is one that I think most people find themselves in right now is that living paycheck to paycheck. And you actually, one of the last times you guys came on, we did a whole episode on how to stop living paycheck to paycheck. Sound milestones to work your way there. It's achievable. It can be challenging, but it's achievable, maybe more achievable than you realize. And I'm going to link to that episode in the show notes for today's show, as well as on social media. So if you want to stop living paycheck to paycheck, finish listening to the show and then go listen to that one or maybe send it to a friend or a spouse or maybe a child who needs to hear that as well. Um, when you were talking about setting financial goals, I love that you guys mentioned that you paid off, was it nearly $30,000 in debt the first year of marriage once you set that new goal? Yep. That's no, amazing. just over $25,000. That's amazing. It make, it reminds me of a few years ago, we decided we were going to work toward buying our first house. And, you know, it sounds like a really big mountain to climb. But when you realize, okay, it is possible, you might have a higher mm -hmm. monthly payment, but it's possible to put 3% down. This is what my down payment needs to be. And we did it. We actually saved for our down payment within a couple months. And it just took us actually saving more than we had been rather than kind of just kicking the can down the road when it came mm -hmm. to planning to buy a house. And we did it not just within three months or six months, which was originally the goal was about six to nine 
nine months. We did it in two months. The right house came up and we just started tightening up the budget more than we realized was actually very easily achievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you get, um, for lack of a better terms, kind of like a, you know, a carrot in front of you, something, you know, right out in front of you that's concrete Um, You know that, you know, this is something that you want to meet. And when you meet it, it's going to kind of allow these other things to happen in your life. That's highly motivating. And really, you know, sometimes people will come to us and be like, a financial goal feels boring or (laughs) ho-hum. But what I want to encourage people to do is think about the why underneath this. Mm. So for you, Timory, you know, why? Why would you want to buy a house? Well, now you have a home and your your family is making memories in, in that home and, and you are, you know, building equity in that home that's going to trickle down and bless your family through the generations ahead. And there's, when you tap into that why behind what you're doing, you know, for us, it was getting out of debt. But the reason why was we wanted to free up our money from paying all these other people to actually work for the things that God was asking us to prioritize in our life. And so when you tap into that deeper why, it makes it a whole lot easier and you know that what you're going after is going to be worth it in the end and it just makes it a whole lot more motivating. And let's talk a little bit about something you just mentioned with regard to the why. That should actually help you to keep the goal. So speak a little bit more to how important that why is for keeping the goal that you set. A lot of these goals, uh, financial goals, are going to involve changing the way we handle our money having less impulse purchases, going out to eat less, whatever it might be. We need to pull back in some areas so that we can move forward in others. We have to say no so that we can say yes. And many of us don't really like saying no, especially to ourselves. (laughs) And so when we have something big, something we love to say yes to, then it's a lot easier to say no to the things that we like because we want to go after the thing that we love. So when you know your why, when you know the important thing, when you are fully convinced that this goal is what you want, well, then it's easy to drive right past Chick-fil-A without going into it. (laughs) The waffle fries, come on. (laughs) I know, they are are so tempting. Uh, But yeah, you're tapped into that deeper yes. And I think that, you know, another part of keeping the goal is... Um, you know, there's a lot of different acronyms out there, but I think one of the most commonly known one is is SMART goals, um, and creating a goal that's you know specific and and measurable and actionable and it's kind of time bound. You you get specific. You know, for us it was we want to become debt free this year, and so it just made it so much more. Um, it, it gave it a space to. We knew that this wasn't going to be forever that we weren't going to be, we were sprinting for a season. We weren't going to just stay in the grind, if you will. And so that helped us keep it because it wasn't just now we're signing up for, you know, deprivation mode for the rest of our life. That's sometimes what people fear when they're signing up for a financial goal. But if you have it, you know, we're just sprinting for the next six months, like you were, you know, in, in buying the house. Well, it makes it a whole lot easier to stick to and to keep and to stay motivated with because you know that this isn't forever. It's just for right now. And you can check and see how you're doing against it. You know, If it's, hey, we're going to pay off $10,000 of debt in the next four months. All right. Well, you can check in when you're two months in. You can see, oh, hey, we're actually, we've paid six so far. We're a little bit ahead of pace. You get to see the progress. You know if you're doing it or not. And that only happens when you are specific and you have a goal clearly delineated. 
And I think one of the most um, effective ways to keeping really any financial goal that you set, whether it's a New Year's resolution one or, or not, is that monthly budget meeting. You know, sometimes there's a temptation for people to think that a budget is a thing that you set and forget, you know, that the same budget this month is going to work until kingdom come. But the reality is we've never created the same budget twice. And every single month, you know, you're entrusted with resources um, by God and you're asked to prioritize the things that he's asking you to prioritize. And that's just what a budget is. And so you get to, to check in every single month and to allocate the funds that, um, that you've received amongst the categories that are a part of your monthly budget. And one of the line items ought to be that goal that you're going after. And so when you are flying blind and you don't know what your money's up to, it's going to be a whole lot harder to actually keep that financial goal. But if you see every single month in the budget, $500 is going over to savings or $500 is going to pay off that student loan, it's just going to make it a lot easier to keep it because that money is not going to be accidentally spent somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so we love encouraging people to always go back to that skill of budgeting, whether they're a beginner or they've been at it a long time, that's really the, the number one tool to living virtue with your money. So we actually have a free guide. It, you can go get it at catholicbudgetguide.com and it teaches people how to actually master this skill of budgeting. That's catholicbudgetguide.com. You can find, can you find it on your website as well, walletwin.com? I think so. Yeah. We'll link to <laughs> that on somewhere. <laughs> we'll link to that on social media as well as the episode notes. If you can't find it, don't worry. We have it. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch the podcast. And we list all of the resources mentioned from walletwin.com or Jonathan and Amanda from to this guide that they just mentioned for navigating your finances. Now, you mentioned kind of looking at those goals and being able to keep them based on evaluating them. You mentioned, you know, seeing, okay, $500 went to this, but can you speak just a little more to that evaluation of the goal that I think can be so hard for people? It's one thing to say, okay, I have a $30,000 loan and maybe I'm only paying off maybe $300 or $500 a month on that. And that's helpful, but is that enough to keep track and look at it to see the number going on, going down? Or how do you need to navigate that goal? Or if it's the case of savings, you want to see the number go up. It's good to have a visual. So if it's a goal like that, uh, make a make a chart. You know the old uh, the old thermometer that's going up. We have some fun. You know we have some fun ones uh, for our members. You know we have debt free donuts. So you know there's a hundred donuts on the page. You color one in for each percent that you've you've made towards your debt payoff. Or you color in a car when you're saving mm -hmm. up for a new car. Things like that. Um, we've had members talk about, you know, they were paying off their house early. And so they had a picture of their house that was slowly being uncovered as they paid down the mortgage. Uh, anything that you can see, quickly glance and see your progress, that can help you remember the progress that you have made. Mm -hmm. Even if it seems slow, even if it's early days, you can see, oh, this used to be, you know, totally empty. Now I've got a couple rows filled in. That feels really good. And that's important because God made us in such a way that we want to keep going. We want to build momentum. We have these little inbuilt ways that help us get past those uh, times of discouragement. And seeing what we've done before helps set up a little cycle in our brain where we, we feel good. We see what we did, shoots out a little bit of dopamine, all those little brain chemicals. We're excited now. We want to do it again. And so now it's easier for me to make wise financial choices 
which allow more money to be freed up, which I can then put towards my goal and see more, more progress, which then makes me happier and so on and so on. And now I've got the habit loop working for my advantage. I'm taking it, I'm working in concert with the way I was created to see this progress happen. Don't mind me over here with my coloring book and sticker charts to evaluate my financial goals. I mean, it probably sounds silly to some people, but I get it. It's that concrete symbol of what you're working toward, you know, having it somewhere where you can see it, making that progress, filling it in. I'm all about the tangible, you know, kind of a handwritten thing because I think it's significant for us seeing that we're achieving something in a culture where a lot of what we do is mm -hmm. digital and it's great to look at an image digitally online, but in reality, it's one among many other digital images we see online mm -hmm. and there are probably a whole lot of other ones that make us feel better and happier when we look at it. So that <laughs> yes. paper, I think example i get it and there's a reason why kids love sticker charts and coloring totally. books mm -hmm. not that we're calling ourselves kids but these are simple wins and doesn't god call us to be childlike and simplistic in that mm -hmm. way that's right he does um i think another aspect to just evaluating is sometimes um, we want to look at the fruits you know we've been going after this financial goal what are the fruits in our life are we seeing peace hope encouragement or are we seeing despair, panic, and anger, um, that could be a tipping point to, do we need to reevaluate the goal? You know, because some it could we could have created a goal that was maybe unattainable or unrealistic. Um, but if we're actually seeing good fruit in our life, we're making progress on it, we're being faithful to it, that that's another sign that this is going well, that the evaluation of this, you know, we can continue instead of maybe we need to pause on this and we need to reassess the entire goal. So I do think it's really important to do that evaluation. And really, again, at that monthly budget meeting, um, we encourage everybody to have one. We, we call them budget parties because we want it to be something you want to attend. You know, bring a glass of wine, bring some charcuterie, um, have some fun with it, turn on a tune and uh, enjoy that this is a budget we get to make to get us one step closer to our goals. But at that meeting, is where you can have that conversation of what are the fruits in our life from this? Is is this going in the right direction or is this actually harming us? I love these ways to work on figuring out what that goal is by setting it, keeping it, and evaluating it. This is Jonathan Amanda Texera here on Trending with Timory from WalletWin.com. We're including links to some of the resources we've mentioned from that great guide for a budget to also how to... Stop living paycheck to paycheck. We'll link all of this in the episode notes for today's show. But now it's your turn to ask some questions. Have a question about navigating finances, budget, spending. Jonathan and Amanda are here to take them. The number is 888-914-9149. Or you can ask your question now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. -E. We've also tagged Jonathan and Amanda at WalletWin. I'll be right back taking your questions. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Taking your questions today for Jonathan and Amanda Texera at WalletWin.com. Everything from navigating finances and budget to spending. Let's dive in. But if you have a question, you can go ahead and send it in on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. -M -M -E 
or go ahead and give us a call. The number is 888-914-9149. Oh, lots of new New families, new marriages on the horizon, a lot of people wanting to get married and others in the thick of just the day-to-day grind. So let's dive into some of these questions. Um, This is an interesting one. Okay, so how can we hope, this is from Chris on Instagram, how can we ever hope for good Catholic families when we can't even purchase a house? What can we do? That's a good question. Um, So... I hear despair and discouragement in this question. And I mean, it's for for good reason. I mean, there's just been such a whirlwind shift in the housing market over the last several years. In many ways, it feels like whiplash. We've had economic whiplash. Um, and it certainly affected, you know, things like inflation and the grocery budget, but we've we've seen it in housing and and it hasn't quite shifted. And in many places now, they're saying it's much cheaper just to to rent. And so what I want to offer to this person who asked the question is, um, you know, we can still be faithful Catholics and raise beautiful, holy families, whether we're renting or we've bought a home. I mean, that's the truth of it. That doesn't define how we live our vocations. And the Lord's asking us to provide for our families and to do it within our means. And so if that means that home ownership is going to take a little bit longer, that's okay that's all right. You're being a good and faithful steward with the the finances entrusted to you. And it's okay to rent. There's, it's not a dirty word. It's not a bad strategy in certain markets and in certain seasons of our life. It's, it's a more than appropriate way to, to live. And it's just a, and a chance to uh, maybe calibrate our expectations. Uh, a lot of times we, people come out, they're, you know, fresh out of college, beginning their lives, their careers, and they think, oh, well, a house. Well, what do my parents have? And they yes. think about their parents' houses yep. that they have gotten to, you know, 30 years into their careers. <laughs> right? uh, and that's where I should start out. Uh, I mean, but Amanda, your uh, your dad, you know, his folks, your grandparents, they raised what, 10 kids. Eight kids. Eight kids in the houses. In three bedroom. Yeah. And one of those is in the basement. Uh, <laughs> and so we don't, sometimes we, especially these days, uh, in our modern life can think we need so much more than mm. might actually what is actually uh, necessary. Certainly a bigger house might be nice, but the important thing is who's in that house with you. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you know, you just reminded me of when we got married, my husband and I, we lived in, we loved it, but I remember people <laughs> comment and call it like that shoebox place that you live in. And they would make derogatory and rude comments. And I'd just be like, I love our little space. It was our little like Shangri-La, the first place we lived. And mm-hmm. it was fascinating to me that family would actually make rude comments like that. And what you just said was so key that we have these expectations today that we have what our parents have 30 years mm-hmm. into their career or in retirement. And that's fueled by a Pinterest social media culture. We only mm-hmm. see the yeah. best foot forward. You know, I admit if I'm going to take a picture of my dining room table, it's going to be when it's really pretty and really nice. But the reality <laughs> is, is that I'm in a phase of my life where I'm still putting together furniture I've received as a gift, furniture that I've inherited, and not everything matches. And that's okay. That's the season that we're in. We love to have more seating in our living room. I mean, there's so much that could be said where I like where you mentioned, like, we've got to make sure that we're in a doable mindset and that you can raise a family even if you are renting for a season 
or mm -hmm. knowing that although it's a higher monthly cost, there are things such as programs such as 3% down. And for us, living out of the state of California for a couple of years allowed us to buy a house somewhere else at a lower cost, build some equity mm -hmm. and come back. Um, so there, there are things that are doable, but it's all about, like you guys are mentioning, mindset. Okay, we have a ton of questions coming in. This one is a little bit of a follow-up from someone else. Kevin said, my wife just gave birth to her first child, and we'd like to buy a house. However, I'd also like to save for retirement. Where do I find the balance of saving for retirement, but also spending money to buy a new house? Mm -hmm. This is a, a, a question, and this type of a question can come up a lot of, here's a lot of really good things that are good that I want to do, be responsible, but what order do I do them in? How do I balance them out? And so we do teach our wallet win method, these phases, these 12 money milestones that for the most part you do in order. And so even before you would save for retirement or get that house, I want to make sure that you and your new growing family uh, are covered with uh, some emergency savings that you're out of paycheck to paycheck, that you when you move into that house, whatever your down payment was, problems are going to come up. Uh, and those problems are going to be more expensive than ones earlier in your life when you had a more simple uh, financial reality. And so there is an order to do these things. And I would say, I mean, yeah, I'd say get in the house first, probably, you know, in most situations going by the plan is going to be the ideal. Get in the house and then you're going to move on later to that retirement. Right. Mm -hmm. And kind of the, the caveat there would be, you know, maybe you are thinking you're going to move in the next couple of years and things are uncertain um, or you're not that in love with your job and maybe you end up in a different location or the market is so crazy. Maybe you are going to wait. And in that situation, you would just go ahead and start contributing to retirement. We encourage people to be putting away 15 percent of their income if they can. Um, and then when it becomes more clear that, okay, this actually is the next step for us is home ownership, you would, you would pause on the retirement savings so that you could actually go ahead and quickly save that down payment up. And then once you've done that, resume those retirement savings. That's kind of how you balance that. Great advice. Okay, we have a ton of questions in, so let's try and get as many as we can in. Magda on Instagram said, my husband thinks saving is having the rule, quote, just don't spend anything, only necessities. <laughs> this does and doesn't work, depends on the month. She said, especially after Christmas and holidays, she said, what advice do you have to better navigate an absolute savings and no spending lockdown? Mm. I, I mean, I think that's where a budget comes in handy because a budget is for those expenses that you need to spend money on, even not just the needs, but the wants, it's permission to spend. And then for the saver in the family, which it sounds like um, is her spouse, he has concrete ideas of where this savings is going. You need to name it. It shouldn't just be vague savings. We're not just building bigger barns here. We need to say that, you know, X amount is going for just household repairs. X amount is for that vacation we want to take. X amount is for um, the, the car we're saving up for. And then as he sees those savings building, he's going to have confidence to know that, fine, that's all taken care of and that's automated in our budget. Go ahead and spend whatever on anything because that's not threatened. When the saver knows that the things they need to save for are taken care of, they're not going to be so um, grasping at not spending money. Excellent. Okay, so coming up is... Caitlin. Caitlin said, my fiance and I would like to raise a large family. And let's see, I'd like to raise a large family. I'd stay home and homeschool while my fiance 
works full time. She said our annual income would be about 58000 per year after taxes. She said we have no debt and are modest spenders. Is this a reasonable income to raise a family on? It looks like in my area, the average monthly expenses, including rent for a family of four, is four to $5,000. But this is an average, so I take this with a grain of salt. So just she threw out some numbers. So if they made four to five thousand dollars a month, that would put them between forty-eight and sixty, and he's currently making fifty-eight. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those situations where, you know, you should back into it as how might we allow me to stay home with any kids that we are blessed with and homeschool them on this income. And when you ask that question, it gets you creative and thinking about what you could do to actually make that a reality. Instead of a lot of times people just kind of go into the situation hoping for the best, but they don't actually think about what their needs are going to be. It seems like this couple is thinking about that. And just know that the plan, what you're starting out with right now, it might shift a time or two, might shift 10 or 12 times, but God gives you the grace at every decision point that you're going to make for your family and for your marriage. Go in, go in with this as the hope, but at some point he might shift this on you. Um, you might desire something differently and that's okay. But for right now, I think that that's more than appropriate. It sounds like in her given area. So go for it. And I'll just share a little story too. I knew that I wanted to be home with my kids. I knew that ideally, you know, I wouldn't be working, but God has called me in a different direction with this ministry. And there were a lot of job opportunities I had across the country, Uh, great opportunities, both financially serving. And I said no to many of them because my whole mindset, even though I wasn't married, was positioning myself in a way that could allow for that down the road. So when you say like, Mm -hmm. how can you be creative in a way that would allow you to stay home and have that lifestyle? being able to be home with your kids and homeschool, when you want something, you actually start to be creative about making it happen rather than, like you said, falling into it. And by the grace of God, I'm it's a lot, but I'm able to work while my kids are sleeping and we navigate it. And I think that that example is key. We don't just fall into these situations. And I think a lot of people are waiting around saying, I just can't do it now. I just can't do it now. But they're not being creative, like you said, Amanda, to make it happen. If you're just joining us now, that's Jonathan and Amanda Texera from WalletWin.com taking your financial questions today. Another similar question from Will. He said, my fiance and I would like to have a big family. I make about $70,000 a year and I'm about to get married with a $30,000 student loan debt. He said, I worry that if my wife were to get pregnant right away, I would struggle to balance supporting family, paying off debt, and saving up for a house. And he asked for any advice. All right. Well, Will, thanks for the question. Congratulations on the engagement. Um, all right. So, I mean, we just talked a little bit about, and of course, different area of the country and all that. So who knows if that 70K is going to go farther, might even be shorter, depending where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're going to be set up pretty well. And for maybe for both of these, let's just, it, uh, not to be, uh, let's get married first. Uh, and then we can figure <laughs> out, so we're going to let the, the the dust settle on how the family's going to look, where we're going to live, all of that stuff. Um, that first year especially can be a little wild. There's a lot of adjusting, a lot of uh, making decisions and things. So maybe it's not time right now yet to buy that house. So you don't need to balance that one quite yet. Um, we can think about getting out of that debt, of course. First, having a, a firm foundation built of uh, you know budgeting, 
having some insurance in place now to protect your your new family, having some emergency savings, that rainy day fund, getting off paycheck to paycheck, all of that to shore up everything. And then we can move forward. And you know what? Even if you know there's a, a you're blessed with children right away, you've still got a little bit of time. You know, maybe your wife works a bit. You save that up. You know, there's going to be that transition coming, and so you can use some savings that you've got there to help. You know, in that transitory period of moving from two to one income. Yeah, Maria, I never want anybody go ahead. to feel go like ahead. I just I want to say one thing here is I don't want anybody to feel like they need to prioritize financial goals over being open to life and obedient to God in our marriages. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the old phrase, babies come with bread under their arms? It's, you know, just yes. be open in whatever way God asks you and, and the finances will come together. As long as you're being a good steward, they'll come together in time. Mm. Yes, and we have experienced it. I remember in, the, in theology classes, our theology professor would always, during marriage and family courses, say with every child, that a child com comes, like you said, Amanda, with a loaf of bread under his or her arm. And we've experienced a blessing with every child that has come uh, in some way that has made it more, more doable. And it truly has mm -hmm. been a blessing. It's been a new job. I mean, there are lots of examples that we could discuss. Does it make it easy? No, I don't think having kids is ever easy. <laughs> um, but I do think that I see that blessing of the finances, not that they just work themselves out, but there's blessings that come with children that help us to figure it out as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Maria J on Facebook asks, I don't know much about Bitcoin and other trending currencies. What should I know and how significant do you think it is for investing? Um. It's significant in that it's uh, the idea of a cryptocurrency, a digital currency, is one that has come uh, and will probably stick around for quite a while. Um, so it, it's it's a thing that's going to be around. Uh, are you are our dollars going to disappear and we're not going to have cash anymore anytime soon? Absolutely not. So you're not going to be like left behind or left destitute if you don't uh, go headfirst into the world of cryptocurrencies. And there's, it's not like a necessary thing for even investing. Um, right now, it does seem like it is a bit more of a speculative investment um, where you're just hoping to buy it and then hopefully it'll go up and I can sell it. Um, there's still, some yeah, there's some traction. There's, there's still a lot of figuring out to do. Uh, we've heard a lot about it in the news maybe lately. Uh, some some different financial products have been approved for sale in the in the United States uh, that have some Bitcoin in their in their uh, DNA, and so that's kind of scurried it up a little bit in the news cycle. But um, I'd say, yeah, look into it. Do a little bit of YouTubing. There's a lot of people out there to say a lot of things, though. Um, we know of a good source, though. Yes, I, I believe it. I correct me if I'm wrong here. CatholicCrypto.com. Yeah, a friend of ours, um, Matt Pinto, actually hosted a Catholic crypto conference last year and is helping Catholics kind of navigate this world of putting their, dipping their toes, if you will, into the cryptocurrency world and Bitcoin. Um, oh, it's, can you read that? It's CatholicCryptoNetwork.com. Yeah. 
CatholicCryptoNetwork.com. We'll post the link in the episode notes if you're driving or on a run. That way you can catch that later. But I think that's a great resource, like you mentioned, like mm-hmm. navigating uh, how to get into that realm. Because like you said, John, it's not going anywhere. Uh, it's mm-hmm. probably here to stay. And although you might not be behind, be behind the eight ball yet, that could be a reality down the road if you aren't aware of these market trends, how it's functioning, and being prepared to position yourself if and when that is something that you need to dive into. Yep. Okay, let's see. So many questions for you guys today. And if you're just joining me, my guests today are Jonathan and Amanda Texera from WalletWin.com. We're including all the links to some of these great resources they are mentioning today. Uh, the next question, a different season of life. We had a lot of questions surrounding engagement and new families. Uh, Leanna and her husband are debating currently how much to rescue their adult son from debt. They said he's in five-figure debt and I want to pay it all, but he wants to only, that is her husband, only wants to pay half of the debt off. She said, by the way, we have a good nest egg, so money's not a real issue for us. My husband is arguing more about the principle of only paying half. What advice do you have? Okay, this is a good question. I mean, my first inkling here is not to pay off any of it. I don't know if that is always the right solution. Because what what we want to do as parents sometimes is to run in and fix the situation, right? That's so much easier than having to do the work of actually teaching my kid maybe how they're supposed to behave in this situation or the skills they need to thrive or be successful in this, that, or another um, environment. But that's really what we should do as parents. And so with this child, I would encourage the parents to sit down and actually sit down and help them create a budget, sit down and create a financial goal of what are they going to do towards this debt? What can they reasonably begin paying off towards it? Um, and see what kind of progress begins to form. You want your child to have life skills that are going to actually allow them to be a good steward and manager of money. The last thing you want is you just come in and you wipe the bill clean and your child learns nothing, and then later on, because you have such a good nest egg and this child inherits it, that they then squander it and they don't know what to do with it and they wind up in debt and you cannot bail them out in that situation. So really, I would start, I would, you know, back way up here and just work on that foundation and the habits with this kid. Well, not to (laughs) negate anything Amanda has said, there is some room for generosity. There is. Uh, and not to say you can't do, you know, you can't do that. Um, Who's the but there's a difference, though. Who's the saver in this relationship here? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just figured it out. <laughs> yeah, who are the kids going to go to when they're in a financial yeah. camp? They're going to debt. Which And which one of us are acting up for debt? Um, so the, uh, what am I saying here? Um, there's a difference here between, right, that maybe this, this five figures is tens of thousands of dollars is from very irresponsible yeah. living. Yep. Maybe it's from, you know, there was a medical emergency or, you know, it could be maybe in somewhat, maybe it's not the best words, but like more like Mis- legitimate. Yeah. It was a more ne- yeah needed thing. And so th- that's a whole other thing to look into. That relationship there with the kid, all of that. I think it is though, like Amanda saying, what, whatever level of generosity from zero to all the way, it, it can't just be the check. It needs to be a more holistic um, loving of your son and helping him beyond this financial decision right here. Mm-hmm. And just the question, because I think it's a little of both end, and I see the balance between the two of you. Just I think a lot of our generation, millennials, got 
for many people next to no education when it came mm-hmm. to finances, I see a lot of my peers down um, struggling to understand, know, and just live with money. And a lot of people who are single for prolonged years, longer than ever before historically. And mm-hmm. so they have more income at their discretion much longer than has ever historically been known. I mean, people are living on family wages as a single person, which is great. Congratulations. Uh, but it makes it difficult to navigate, I think, some of the side of like the practicality of money. So my thoughts are if parents are trying to figure out how to navigate their adult, adult child's debt is that same question that like Amanda touched on, like, does your kid have budgeting skills? To, maybe they can go through a sound money course, for example, WalletWin.com. Jonathan and Amanda have one. <laughs> um, do they have the skills and the responsibility to execute healthy finances? And if then they do, then I think that's a good season to help them with debt. Like first help with the skills and the practice. And then I'm all for, if you want to help pay off all that debt, if they're in a season of life, like having kids, trying to get married, help them to get there, but make sure they have the skills to still thrive in that season of life. And down the road, when you can't bail your kids out. Um, So many questions that have been coming in. I know that maybe you missed yours, but we'll have to have the two of you back on soon to take more of these questions with, again, a Catholic approach to finances. That's been Jonathan and Amanda here on Trending with Timory. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to learn more about their work, WalletWin.com or work with them on financial goals, budgeting. Again, that's WalletWin.com. And I posted a link on social media and the episode notes for how to stop living paycheck to paycheck. The last episode they were with me here for. It's a feast day of the holy spouses. Who are they? That's Mother Mary and St. Joseph. It's a little known feast day in the ancient tradition of the church. And we'll dive into that in just a moment. What's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Happy Feast Day. It's actually a really neat and unique feast day. It's the Feast Day of the Holy Spouses. That's uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph celebrating their wedding day. And this is a great feast day that goes back many years in the church that we don't celebrate very often today. It's really a predominantly a church is named after St. Joseph or the Oblates of St. Joseph who have kept this feast day alive over the centuries because some things will fall on and off the liturgical calendar. There are feast days that a priest has to celebrate or a priest days a feast days a priest could choose to celebrate and others that people just don't pay much attention to anymore. And this is one of them. I love it. If you didn't know this, I learned this when I was going through my consecration to St. Joseph, Father Calloway, that Father Calloway wrote. He actually wrote about this feast day and about the fact that we have in a 
beautiful cathedral, San Lorenzo, in Italy, the ring that St. Joseph is believed to have given to the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is a tradition that's been passed down, the ring that's been passed down the centuries that the church has. It's actually in a reliquary in the church there at San Lorenzo in Italy. And one of those holy places one day I hope to go to and see that ring, which would be a relic, a relic of the holy spouses of St. Joseph and Mother Mary. I think that's pretty neat. I have a rosary that's been touched to a relic, which would be a third-class relic of that specific relic of what the ring is actually referred to. They refer to it as the Holy Ring or Santo Anello is the name of that ring that's there in the Cathedral of San Lorenzo. So really neat and What's interesting is that there are a number of um, people who have gone before us who are on the path to being proclaimed saints by the church. For example, one of them is Blessed Anne Catherine, and Blessed Anne Catherine actually shared that she had a vision where she saw that it was on the 23rd of January that the spouses celebrated in Jerusalem on actually Mount Zion in a house used for such feasts, this particular espousal of the two of them. Now, what's significant about this is that January 23rd has historically been the date that the church has celebrated the spouses of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph, what would be considered their their feast day for their wedding, what would be their anniversary, we could say. And so it was neat that in some of her visions, she explicitly saw the wedding and knew the date as being January 23rd. I thought that was pretty neat. Again, someone who may very well be, if she makes it through the whole process of canonization, uh, proclaimed a saint of the church. And this is a vision that she actually shared. Another venerable, further along, almost a saint, is Venerable Mary of Agreda, and she wrote immensely, actually, about the lives of St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary. I actually have one of the books that she wrote, and it's really fascinating because it's not it's not obligatory. It's not sacred scripture, but these are insights that she claims to and was a very holy woman. People believe that she had into the life and dynamic of St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary. And what's neat is we actually have a whole tradition of not just these, but other saints as well who have insights and visions that they had of the Holy Family in their day-to-day lives. And it's neat to hear. It's neat to discern and learn through. And some of those great I think examples given are by Venerable Mary of Agreda. And so she's someone to ponder a little bit of what she saw in that great relationship between St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you wanted to learn a little more about them and their, uh, their life, I think there's so much to be gained by meditating upon the lives of St. Joseph and Our Lady. And I was thinking about it quite a bit this morning and praying about this great feast day of the Holy Spouses that we see biblically in Scripture when you struggle with maybe your desire to be married or your desire for someone to date, not just if you're in already a dating situation or if you're struggling with your spouse, that we Look to the example of Mary and Joseph of how they navigated difficulty. And right there at the beginning of their, their marriage, we see the difficulty of Our Lady having conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And St. Joseph has just 
married her. He They're in the season of what's referred to as betrothal because at that time, couples would enter into the marriage and then have about a year where what would be considered part of that betrothal time where the two would li- not live together as the husband, in this case, St. Joseph, would prepare a house. And during that time, before they've been living together, uh, Mary suddenly found to be pregnant. And St. Joseph, we see, is reflecting upon what to do. He's planning to set her aside quietly. And he follows the divine promptings given by God through the angel Gabriel to him in a dream to not set her aside, that something very holy was occurring in these circumstances. And what we see here is that they didn't just immediately take action to their own hands in this situation, but St. Joseph took time to ponder the situation. And he was willing to follow the promptings of God's will, even in the midst of the un known or misunderstood or outright angering and frustrating. I mean, imagine how upsetting that would be as a new husband to find something out like that about your spouse. And then on the other side, Mary, we hear nothing about how she must have been through such agony and fear and even an experience of shame, even though she didn't do anything, that she's pregnant and it's not by her spouse, her new spouse, St. Joseph. I think a little insight into the marriage of St. Joseph and Mary is significant here. That before running and taking things, taking action in their own hands, they take a time of pondering and reflection to work through struggles and desires they have within the confines of love and marriage. And they find a sense of unity there and ultimately following God's will, staying close to God who will be their child. And Our Lady, we see in sacred scripture, there are multiple examples, both in the presentation of Jesus in the temple and when they lose Jesus, actually, uh, when they lose Jesus in the temple and he's missing for three days, where we read that Our Lady pondered these things in her heart when she heard a very difficult and frightening thing, such as the suffering her child would endure and that she would endure, such as the fact that she lost her child for three days, she would ponder these things in her heart. Not that she wasn't a person of action, but she was a a person of action that was formed by reflection, formed by prayer. Another thing we see in the example of these spouses is the unity of the two of them and being able to navigate trying situations at the beginning of their marriage and being able to navigate even losing Jesus. I think a good example that Mary and Joseph show us is how to navigate anxiety. Uh, They lost Jesus. And in that separation from him, they knew that they needed to seek him back out. When we're separated from Christ and we experience the chaos that ensues, do we return back to God? Do we search for him? And are we patient enough to continue to search for him after we've allowed ourselves to step so far away, such as even the holy spouses did during that travel that they all went through to Jerusalem? Imagine those three days. Maybe it's three days for us as we search out God. Maybe it's three months or three years. But do we know to turn back to him as we allow the chaos to ensue when we separate from him? Happy feast day of the holy spouses. Blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. And St. Joseph, pray for us. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. 
Is abortion safe for women? Do physicians who perform abortions meet basic medical standards and licensing practices? Wednesday on Trending, I'll share a massive cover-up in the state of Indiana, where the Indiana Department of Health is actually refusing to release medical records detailing medical malpractice and life-threatening and ending situations for women. Let people know the truth about the lack of abortion safety. Join me daily, 6 p.m. Central, on Relevant Radio.